God, this morning I want you to just sit back and let the word of God wash over you and let him speak to your hearts. Because it's important that we understand something. First of all, I'd like to start off an introduction by telling you that the sovereignty of God is a part of this message that is very, very crucial this morning. Because as I read these scriptures, I'm going to read from a few parts of the Bible, but I'd like you to stay in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read there. And uh, I want you to stay there, but I'm going to also read the beginning of Jeremiah 18. This is a very familiar scripture for many of us, and I hope it's familiar with you this morning. In that scripture, it says these words. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I do with you as this potter? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The illustration that God is using in this scripture is speaking humbly of his sovereignty. God has a character of humility. He has a character of humbleness. And he pleads with the people through the prophet Jeremiah, Can I change you? Can I mold you? Can I make you into something? Preferably a vessel. He's making a picture of himself by talking to us and explaining in his eyes what he sees us as. He sees us as beautiful, blessed vessels. And when we're not, when there's any, even the smallest imperfection, he is willing to start all over and begin again anew. Because he knows what we should look like. And he knows exactly how he wants us to look. He's skillful in the way that he shapes us. He's purposeful. And he's doing it in the form of molding. He wants to mold your life. That's what he wants to do. See, in reality, the humility that we have to take hold of is the humility that allows 
not all that skillful. We're not all that purposeful in molding our lives. We need a potter. No one expects anything less. You know, he's trying to conform us and bring us into a likeness and an image of his own. And when you ask yourself that, what does that mean to bring us into a likeness of his own? He wants to bring you into a likeness of his own dear son. Let's read what the word of God says. In Matthew 27, we're going to start in verse 6. But the, the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Let's pray. Lord Father God, I ask you to do something amazing and supernatural again. I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit and bring revelation. Let us not be distracted. Let us not miss the point. Let us not miss the message in which you're trying to put into our hearts. And let us all receive it joyfully. And with earnest care, let us take care of it of that which you have placed in our hands. Father God, help us to be fruitful in this body and to be moldable. We give you all the praise and the glory in this place. Amen. Our lives is, is our lives to heal. And I don't know if you caught it through the scriptures that I wrote, but the house of Israel got what the house of Israel paid for. See, we were strangers to God. And many of us received salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that is the blood that is being referred to here. See, the people of Israel are asked a question in this scripture. The question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to allow me to change you and mold you? And their answer ultimately was, no. I will not allow you to mold the house of Israel. This is why there's this great irony of them drawing upon the law. When they take the 30 pieces of silver that they gave to Judas, they gave 30 pieces of silver to Judas so that they could kill Jesus. 
And then they would not take it back. And so they bought a field that could bury strangers. And it became fulfilled. What the Jeremiah the prophet said, which was, no, they won't allow him to mold them that way. But the amazing thing is that God, through his infinite wisdom, he knew that he could have a remnant who would be made vessels of honor, who would fit and be fitting for the master's use. And it's unlikely the remnant. It's not who you would think. But it makes perfect sense when you think about it because it was his workmanship all along. It was never theirs. So many of us get caught up in our own workmanship. We get so caught up in it. This is why young children say, mine, mine, mine. See, the first thing we have to consider about God, the potter, is his choice of material. He chose to use clay. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I found out a few things about clay. Clay is of the earth, of course. It's common. And it has little apparent value to itself. Naturally speaking, clay are the parts of the earth that are rendered unsuitable or useless. They're unsuitable for farming, for instance. They're too fine. The grain of them is too fine. But the interesting thing about clay is it's exactly what a potter wants. A potter doesn't want something that can be used for farming. See, for a, to a potter, real clay has great potential because it can be used to make something beautiful and also valuable when it's in the hands of someone skilled and when it is processed and worked out the proper way. Clay, literally, can be uh, thought of as the dust of the earth. See, in Genesis 2-7 it says, The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. This is interesting. Because the Hebrew word for man and earth are almost identical. See, it's value that is only seen in God. Only seen by God and only seen to God. It's as if he breathed life into man and he made a soul from something that has no value otherwise. See, if it was useful in some other form, there would be a conflict there. But there is no conflict with God. He made it specifically for this purpose, to be made in a likeness 
and an image of him. And that is why each and every one of us sitting here today has great potential and has great purpose. The choice of material, apparently, is of little value to most people. Yet God delights in this. He delights in choosing common and foolish things to the world. How many of you have seen one of your children holding sand in their hand, getting all dirty and thought to yourselves, boy, I better save that. Better make sure we don't lose that. Ooh, the kids have some sand. None of you. Because to you it has very little value. And this is a picture of us. But, clay, while useless in that state, when it's prepared properly, has great value. And what you have to realize is that you require preparation. Many of you live your lives as if you're already prepared. I see so many people, they come into church, they get saved, God powerfully moves, and the first thing that happens to them after they get this great rush of, of feelings and emotions and love that God gives them, and this acceptance and this forgiveness, and all this burden is taken off their shoulders, the first thing that happens is they act like they're prepared to go out and kill the world. <laughs> I'm going to go out there and I'm going to beat the world. But the truth is, the truth is that you are just clay. And God has to prepare you. Your spiritual clay. See, natural clay, it needs to be broken and dissolved in a trough of water. Then you produce what they call a slip. This slip is where stones and other material are removed. Sometimes God makes your soul feel like you're a slip. Then that slip becomes poured off and it's washed with water by repeatedly being soaked. This removes what they call the alkali. These are the unseen impurities. These are the reasons that you walk around so confidently day in, day, in, day out. You walk around so confidently day in and day out because there are unseen things that you don't see that God has to work out. These are the things that you didn't even realize were sins. Sometimes it's how much devotion you have to yourself. Sometimes it's deeper than that even. But he knows that while initially not seen, they would later affect his purpose. They would later affect the strength you have. You may be wondering, well, God, why are you putting me through this? Why is this happening to me? Why am I without? But he knows some things about how strong you have to be later on when the fire comes. 
See, every piece of clay that becomes a vessel has to go through a fire. And we will all go before a fire. It will be the fiery eyes of the Lord as we stand before him in judgment. We will stand before God and there will be fire. And you will not be able to avoid that. The third step in making a slip is then to be mixed by foot. This produces an evenness and an elasticity that makes it workable. How many people have gotten under God's foot? He tells us, the Bible is more perfect. He says, you are like clay to him. Will you let me? Will you let God work you? Because if you've ever watched a real vessel being made, which I have the gift of having been done since when I was growing up, we had this place called the Shakers, and you could go and you could watch this whole process. And the truth is, are we allowing God to need us and work us the way he needs to? See, we must learn. We must experience things. This is the process of preparation in the hands of the potter. First thing that has to happen for us is we need to break our self-will. That's the soakings that I talked about. You know, in the Bible it says it rains on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. Are you getting drenched and are you rejecting that? You know, if God tells you you don't listen to your wife, then start listening to your wife. If God tells you you don't honor your husband, start honoring your husband. If God tells you you're nothing like Jesus, start being like Jesus. Because he'll keep soaking you. And so all the impurities are out. And people wonder, they say to me, God, is, you know, he's not any good. He's never been good to me. And even if they don't have the courage to say that, they say it through their actions. Some people like to pick and choose. You know, when it's sunny out, they go out and they outreach. But when God's really helping them, when he's really soaking them, because that is a way of helping you, by the way. You want to know that before judgment day. That you're a selfish jerk. I want to. Coming to grips with those types of things are things that we all need. Because we want to be usable. And sometimes, you know, listen, life becomes unsettled. It becomes disrupted for a reason. There's, there's things going on. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to remove the lumps and the impurities. That will affect you later. And though sometimes they're not realized or understood now, 
they will be realized and understood later. And that is where faith comes in. I can't tell you how many times God has shown me things about who I am as a person. Every step that God brings you through is in preparation, is necessary. And it's, wonder, it's under his watchful and careful eye. See, the potter, he realizes things. He knows things. You know, potters don't just <coughs> throw things around to make a vessel. They know how to work different types of clay. How to prepare them. And they do it by feel. They do it by the way it looks. They can tell. It's not just guesswork. And there's no satisfying shortcuts to being a real potter. If you ever go somewhere where there's really nice pottery, you'll sit there and you'll be like, what? Because you'll see something and it'll look very plain and normal and it costs a thousand dollars. And you'll be like, you gotta be kidding me. I would never pay that kind of money. But the truth is that when you buy the $10 pot instead, there's a difference. See, what we have to understand is that the making of the vessel is something that God has predetermined. It's according to a predetermined design and purpose. You know, if you think about it, there is way too much guesswork in our hearts. There's way too much happenstance in the way that we live. You know, we call things like creativity. Uh, you know, we, we say it's spontaneous. You know, things that we lift up like freeform design. You know what I've noticed about all those people, all great artists who like that freeform design? I've studied some of them. Their whole life was like that. Usually, they didn't leave much for their families. Usually, they died in, 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 in violent or in unnecessary ways like drug abuse. Many of them never knew the intention because they don't understand intended design. They don't understand purpose. That God works according to a purpose. According to a function. You should be able to function in the body of Christ. You should learn how to function a certain way. I.e., a water pot is a water pot. Something that holds perfume is for perfume. Something that has ointment in it 
has the qualities of something that holds ointment. Something that has food to be able to hold the food properly. See, strength is different in different devices. And the shape should be appropriate for the use, right? You don't want a, a pot that's supposed to hold oranges with a small lid on top that you gotta squeeze the oranges through, right? No. You don't want that. That would be ridiculous. If I walked up to you with a water pot and I said, put your oranges in here, it'll be fine. You'd look at me like I was crazy. But yet we do that all the time in our relationship with God. Right? I got a problem with my finances. Let's go to the bank. You don't go to the supermarket. Right? But how many ladies go to the Ross instead of going to the bank? Right? We do it. You should be going to God with prayer. You, know, you have a problem with how much your money made, your, your husband makes, or your family makes. Get your family all together and start praying. We have to have this attitude that we realize that God is doing things appropriately. Delicate things are done delicately. Ornate, beautiful things, pretty things are done beautifully. And we need to realize that. One of the reasons that it's important to care about song service and worship is because a humble person knows the beauty of God. And so their whole heart is into making it beautiful. They have great caring for it. They desire it to be a certain way for a certain reason. You know, one of the things that will help you in a song service and in worshiping God is to just know that it's a miracle that you were dirt. You were literally the stuff that my son picks up and rubs all over his face and spits on it and eats and does all these things with. That's what you were. And God made you into a living, thinking being that is like him. That should make you stand up at least when we, when we sing a song to him. That alone. Because that's a miracle. That's miraculous. But we just take it for granted. We're like that Monty Python clip that I heard saw years ago when the lady's just doing the dishes, another baby pops out. She goes, oh, there's another baby. And that's how we treat it. You know? That's how we act. But it's a miracle. Even in that skit, you can see it. It's a miracle when we can have a baby while I'm doing the dishes. This is true. There's other reasons, though other than realization. Sometimes we just don't trust the divine wisdom and sovereignty of God. 
too often we feel guilty and we're sort of thinking to ourselves, why have you made me this way? You know, there's a question, you know, has not the potter have power over the clay? God does have power over the clay. But see, as the scripture exposes, he gives people what they want. See, the Jewish people wanted to feel good about themselves more than they wanted to do the will of God. Those Pharisees, they'd rather follow the law than repent. You know, don't you realize that when Judas threw those 30 pieces of silver at them, they could have repented. They could have seen the pain inside of him. They could have seen the detachment. They could have been there and looked over at Mary and John at the, at the uh, crucifixion and they could have repented. They didn't. Because God can do things skillfully and he can do things speedily. When you watch a potter to see the clay as it's thrown about and formed by the potter, it looks easy. It's deceitfully easy. It's amazing to see a vessel that is gracefully shaped. It's, it's really, truly remarkable. My wife recently, uh, and I don't think she's doing it anymore, but for a while there, she was mesmerized by just watching these YouTube videos of things being formed. You know, I don't know what they're called, but they're they're crafts, yeah. And they do it very, very quickly, and, and, it, and it looks really easy. Five minutes, five minutes, they make these wonderful things. I think I saw her trying to attempt one. And it ended up looking like a unicorn. <laughs> but this is what happens with God. God can literally just rise something out of a lump of clay. It's a miracle, guys. And it's only the skill of the potter that's able to do such a thing. We don't have the ability in ourselves to do that. We can't do that. But the potter can. See? It's the key to shaping things. One of the keys is the speed of the wheel. That's controlled by the potter. And the pressure that he applies with his hands. That's the trick. They sit there. He knows the manner. He knows the design. 
He knows how to apply the pressure perfectly. This is why sometimes I tell you, as a, as a, as a messenger, as a, as a disciple, as a servant of God, what you want to do is be invisible. You know, I remember telling Clarence, and, and I remember that jostling him, you know, because he, he knows, you know, the word of God does tell us to tell people the gospel. It tells us to, to, to care about people's lives. It tells people to get involved. But we're there to do the Father's work hand in hand with the Father. We're not there to, to act like we're the potter. We're not the potter. The churches that we come from, they're called the potter's house. Why? Because we didn't want them to be called Wayne Mitchell's house. That's why. We can all go to Wayne Mitchell, but none of us probably are invited to Wayne Mitchell's house tonight. He's probably busy. But you all can go to the potter's house. You see what I'm saying? It's the key that God knows the right speed. The Bible says all things really work together to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the only thing that limits God is unyielding clay. Unyielding clay limits the potter. That's what this verse is about. That's the legacy of this verse and of Jeremiah. That there were, there were those who would, uh, would not heal. See, unyielding clay is more difficult to work with. It requires longer working times. That's why I don't, I don't encourage you to not listen and follow the ways of God. You'll never see me say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Why? Because all you're doing is making God have more work to do. It's taking him longer now. He has to apply greater pressure. You know, I can barely keep my AC running. I don't need God to have to apply so much pressure to people. And I don't like to see it either. God doesn't like to see it. And also, here's another key. If you're thinking about clay, I talked about the different forms of clay, but it affects and determines the type of vessel. See, you might become something other than you were intended to be. You were intended to be a perfect, beautiful bottle of perfume that was going to anoint the feet of Jesus, but now... Now, you're just going to be a pot that he's going to put some potatoes in. Because as he's worked with you and he's worked with you, he sees you won't yield to become that beautiful thing that he wants. You won't do it. He loves you. And he may form you into something else. That's a warning to you young people. 
But it's a warning to us all because the truth is that pride and rebellion, they have no place with the Lord. He points these out in his scriptures because they refer to self-will. And he's trying to prepare you for that final process. There is a final process, guys. Just like my sermons have finality eventually, so do and so does the word of God and the potter. Firing a vessel is the final process. It makes or breaks the vessel. I know what this is about because we did this in my school. We did this in my school. And I had a very sad experience in my school because I made an ashtray for my dad. And it was gonna be the greatest ashtray. I was so excited about this ashtray. And I made the ashtray and I was insistent I was insistent that this ashtray was going to have a turtle with a long neck. It ended up being an ashtray without a neck, without a head, which is said four feet. with his neck in the shell. The neck was no longer there. Because it didn't survive the firing of the vessel. When it came out, there was a neck here with a head attached to it and a turtle over here. See, it didn't make it. See, the process that gives strength and lasting quality that makes something actually useful is done by God. But it's done according to our will. Just like my teacher allowed me to make a neck that wasn't able to make it through the fire, so does God allow us <coughs> to interestingly do things that are against his will. Once again, though, this speaks to God's character. It speaks to who he is. Though he could have made all the vessels the same, he did not. Though he could have made all the fires the same, he did not. And here's the real proof. Some shatter, some crack, and some warp. <coughs> the fires of God's trials and afflictions were not made to consume or destroy, but to temper. You know, there's a thing called greenware. It's easily marred, easily broken. It's not usable. It makes it through the fire, but it's just there. To, it's, it's, it's not real. It won't last. A lot of times when you buy something on Walmart, it's really greenware. It's not going to last. 
Well, when you have something that is really valuable, you know the difference. The weight of it is different. The skill of it is different. See, again, the master potter, he knows the temperature and time and necessary for each built, uh, vessel according to its particular qualities. Potter's field purchased with the price of 30 pieces of silver. The potter's field is our place of redemption. It was for the burying of strangers. We were strangers to God, and then we gave him our lives. See, this is the glorious redemption of God. <clears throat> this is where he takes something that is little value <coughs> and makes it something of value. <coughs> something that is common makes it into something beautiful. treasure in earthen vessels so that the glory and excellence may be of God. I think every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. <coughs> As we worship God in this place. <coughs> we trust us. place if you aren't right with God this morning. This is an opportunity for you to repent and believe. You give your life to Jesus. He will forgive you of all your sins. Thank you, you. A new vessel. We'll take away what is old and passed away and we'll fill you with the life of Jesus Christ. <coughs> to be a substitute for your sins. If you're in this place and you're not right with God, you raise your hand. Whenever you get bowed, whenever you're closed, give your life to Jesus. Amen. Let's do something today. We all stand. We praise to God. We sing together every single one of us. You're in this place and God is working on you. And you need change and you recognize that. You can come forward. These altars are a place of change. Turn the jello mic. This morning I want you to just sit back. And let the word of God wash over you and let him speak to your hearts. Because it's important that we understand something. First of all, I'd like to start off an introduction by telling you that the sovereignty of God is a part of this message 
That is very, very crucial this morning. Because as I read these scriptures, I'm going to read from a few parts of the Bible, but I'd like you to stay in Matthew chapter 27, and we're going to read there. And uh, I want you to stay there, but I'm going to also read the beginning of Jeremiah 18. This is a very familiar scripture for many of us, and I hope it's familiar with you this morning. In that scripture, it says these words. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I do with you as this potter? Look as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. The illustration that God is using in this scripture is speaking humbly of his sovereignty. God has a character of humility. He has a character of humbleness. And he pleads with the people through the prophet Jeremiah, can I change you? Can I mold you? Can I make you into something? Preferably a vessel. He's making a picture of himself by talking to us and explaining in his eyes what he sees us as. He sees us as beautiful, blessed vessels. And when we're not, when there's any, even the smallest imperfection, he is willing to start all over and begin again anew. Because he knows what we should look like. And he knows exactly how he wants us to look. He's skillful in the way that he shapes us. He's purposeful. And he's doing it in the form of molding. He wants to mold your life. That's what he wants to do. See, in reality, the humility that we have to take hold of is the humility that allows us to realize that we're just a lump of mindless clay. We're not all that skillful. We're not all that purposeful in molding our lives. We need a potter. No one expects anything less. You know, he's trying to conform us and bring us into a likeness and an 
image of his own. And when you ask yourself that, what does that mean to bring us into a likeness of his own? He wants to bring you into the likeness of his own dear son. Let's read what the word of God says. In Matthew 27, we're going to start in verse 6. But the, the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. Then it was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. Let's pray. Lord Father God, I ask you to do something amazing and supernatural again. I ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit and bring revelation. Let us not be distracted. Let us not miss the point. Let us not miss the message in which you're trying to put into our hearts. And let us all receive it joyfully. And with earnest care, let us take care of that which you have placed in our hands. Father God, help us to be fruitful in this body and to be moldable. We give you all the praise and the glory in this place. Amen. Our lives is, is our lives to heal. And I don't know if you caught it through the scriptures that I wrote, but the house of Israel got what the house of Israel paid for. See, we were strangers to God. And many of us received salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that is the blood that is being referred to here. See, the people of Israel are asked a question in this scripture. The question is, what are you going to do? Are you going to allow me to change you and mold you? And their answer ultimately was no. I will not allow you to mold the house of Israel. This is why there's this great irony of them drawing upon the law. When they take the 30 pieces of silver that they gave to Judas, they gave 30 pieces of silver to Judas so that they could kill Jesus. And then they would not take it back. And so they bought a field that could bury strangers. And it became fulfilled. What the Jeremiah the prophet said, which was, no, they won't allow him to mold them that way. But 
The amazing thing is that God, through his infinite wisdom, he knew that he could have a remnant who would be made vessels of honor, who would fit and be fitting for the master's use. And it's unlikely the remnant. It's not who you would think. But it makes perfect sense when you think about it because it was his workmanship all along. It was never theirs. So many of us get caught up in our own workmanship. We get so caught up in it. This is why young children say, mine, mine, mine. See, the first thing we have to consider about God, the potter, is his choice of material. He chose to use clay. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I found out a few things about clay. Clay is of the earth, of course. It's common. And it has little apparent value to itself. Naturally speaking, clay are the parts of the earth that are rendered unsuitable or useless. They're unsuitable for farming, for instance. They're too fine. The grain of them is too fine. But the interesting thing about clay is it's exactly what a potter wants. A potter doesn't want something that can be used for farming. See, for a, to a potter, real clay has great potential. Because it can be used to make something beautiful and also valuable when it's in the hands of someone skilled and when it is processed and worked out the proper way. Clay, literally, can be uh, thought of as the dust of the earth. See, in Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. This is interesting. Because the Hebrew word for man and earth are almost identical. See, it's value that is only seen in God. Only seen by God and only seen to God. It's as if he breathed life into man and he made a soul from something that has no value otherwise. See, if it was useful in some other form, there would be a conflict there. But there is no conflict with God. He made it specifically for this purpose, to be made in a likeness and an image of Him. And that is why each and every one of us sitting here today has great potential and has great purpose. The choice of material, apparently, is of little value to most people. Yet God delights in this. He delights in choosing common and foolish things. 
to the world. How many of you have seen one of your children holding sand in their hand, getting all dirty and thought to yourselves, boy, I better save that. Better make sure we don't lose that. Ooh, the kids have some sand. None of you. Because to you it has very little value. And this is a picture of us. But, clay, while useless in that state, when it's prepared properly, has great value. And what you have to realize is that you require preparation. Many of you live your lives as if you're already prepared. I see so many people, they come into church, they get saved, God powerfully moves, and the first thing that happens to them after they get this great rush of, of feelings and emotions and love that God gives them, and this acceptance and this forgiveness and all this burden is taken off their shoulders, the first thing that happens is they act like they're prepared to go out and kill the world. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to beat the world. But the truth is, the truth is that you are just clay. And God has to prepare you. Your spiritual clay. See, natural clay, it needs to be broken and dissolved in a trough of water. Then you produce what they call a slip. This slip is where stones and other material are removed. Sometimes God makes your soul feel like you're a slip. Then that slip becomes poured off and it's washed with water by repeatedly being soaked. This removes what they call the alkali. These are the unseen impurities. These are the reasons that you walk around so confidently day in, day in, day out. You walk around so confidently day in and day out because there are unseen things that you don't see that God has to work out. These are the things that you didn't even realize were sins. Sometimes it's how much devotion you have to yourself. Sometimes it's deeper than that even. But he knows that while initially not seen, they would later affect his purpose. They would later affect the strength you have. You may be wondering, well, God, why are you putting me through this? Why is this happening to me? Why am I without? But he knows some things about how strong you have to be later on when the fire comes. See, every piece of clay that becomes a vessel has to go through a fire. And we will all go before a fire. It will be the fiery eyes of the Lord as we stand before Him in judgment. We will stand before God and there will be fire. And you will not be able to avoid that. 
The third step in making a slip is then to be mixed by foot. This produces an evenness and an elasticity that makes it workable. How many people have gotten under God's foot? He tells us, the Bible is more perfect. He says, you are like clay to him. Will you let me? Will you let God work you? Because if you've ever watched a real vessel being made, which I have the gift of having been done since when I was growing up, we had this place called the Shakers, and you could go and you could watch this whole process. And the truth is, are we allowing God to need us and work us the way he needs to? See, we must learn. We must experience things. This is the process of preparation in the hands of the potter. First thing that has to happen for us is we need to break our self-will. That's the soakings that I talked about. You know, the Bible says it rains on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. Are you getting drenched and are you rejecting that? You know, if God tells you you don't listen to your wife, then start listening to your wife. If God tells you you don't honor your husband, start honoring your husband. If God tells you you're nothing like Jesus, start being like Jesus. Because he'll keep soaking you. And so all the impurities are out. And people wonder, they say to me, God, is, you know, he's not any good. He's never been good to me. And even if they don't have the courage to say that, they say it through their actions. Some people like to pick and choose. You know, when it's sunny out, they go out and they outreach. But when God's really helping them, when he's really soaking them, because that is a way of helping you, by the way. You want to know that before judgment day, that you're a selfish jerk. I want it. Coming to grips with those types of things are things that we all need. Because we want to be usable. And sometimes, you know, listen, life becomes unsettled, it becomes disrupted for a reason. There's, there's things going on. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to remove the lumps and the impurities. That will affect you later. And though sometimes they're not realized or understood now, they will be realized and understood later. And that is where faith comes in. I can't tell you how many times God has shown me things about who I am as a person. Every step that God brings you through is in preparation, is necessary. And it's, wonder, it's under his watchful and careful eye. See, the potter, he realizes things. 
He knows things. You know, potters don't just <coughs> throw things around to make a vessel. They know how to work different types of clay. How to prepare them. And they do it by feel. They do it by the way it looks. They can tell. It's not just guesswork. And there's no satisfying shortcuts to being a real potter. If you ever go somewhere where there's really nice pottery, you'll sit there and you'll be like, what? Because you'll see something and it'll look very plain and normal and it costs $1,000. And you'll be like, you gotta be kidding me. I would never pay that kind of money. But the truth is that when you buy the $10 pot instead, there's a difference. See, what we have to understand is that the making of the vessel is something that God has predetermined. It's according to a predetermined design and purpose. You know, if you think about it, there is way too much guesswork in our hearts. There's way too much happenstance in the way that we live. You know, we call things like creativity. Uh, you know, we, we say it's spontaneous. You know, things that we lift up like freeform design. You know what I've noticed about all those people, all great artists who like that freeform design? I've studied some of them. Their whole life was like that. Usually, they didn't leave much for their families. Usually, they died in, 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 in violent or in unnecessary ways like drug abuse. Many of them never knew the intention because they don't understand intended design. They don't understand purpose. That God works according to a purpose. According to a function. You should be able to function in the body of Christ. You should learn how to function a certain way. I.e., a water pot is a water pot. Something that holds perfume is for perfume. Something that has ointment in it has the qualities of something that holds ointment. Something that has food to be able to hold food properly. See, strength is different in different devices. And the shape should be appropriate for the use. Right? You don't want a, a pot that's supposed to hold oranges with a small lid on top that you gotta squeeze the oranges through, right? 
No. You don't want that. That would be ridiculous. If I walked up to you with a water pot and I said, put your oranges in here, it'll be fine. You'd look at me like I was crazy. But yet we do that all the time in our relationship with God. Right? I got a problem with my finances. Let's go to the bank. You don't go to the supermarket. Right? But how many ladies go to the Ross instead of going to the bank? Right? We do it. We should be going to God with prayer. You, know, you have a problem with how much your money made, your, your husband makes, or your family makes. Get your family all together and start praying. We have to have this attitude that we realize that God is doing things appropriately. Delicate things are done delicately. Ornate, beautiful things, pretty things are done beautifully. And we need to realize that. One of the reasons that it's important to care about song service and worship is because a humble person knows the beauty of God. And so their whole heart is into making it beautiful. They have great caring for it. They desire it to be a certain way for a certain reason. You know, one of the things that will help you in a song service and in worshiping God is to just know that it's a miracle that you are dirt. You are literally the stuff that my son picks up and rubs all over his face and spits on it and eats and does all these things with. That's what you were. And God made you into a living, thinking being that is like him. That should make you stand up at least when we, when we sing a song to him. That alone. Because that's a miracle. That's miraculous. But we just take it for granted. We're like that Monty Python's clip that I heard saw years ago when the lady's just doing the dishes. Another baby pops out. She goes, oh, there's another baby. And that's how we treat it. You know? That's how we act. But it's a miracle. Even in that sketch you can see him. It's a miracle when we can have a baby while I'm doing the dishes. This is true. There's other reasons, though. Other than realization. Sometimes we just don't trust the divine wisdom and sovereignty of God. Too often we feel guilty when we're sort of thinking to ourselves, why have you made me this way? You know, there's a question, you know, has not the potter have power over the clay? God does have power over the clay. But see, as the scripture exposes, he gives people what they want. See, 
Jewish people wanted to feel good about themselves more than they wanted to do the will of God. Those Pharisees, they'd rather follow the law than repent. You know, don't you realize that when Judas threw those 30 pieces of silver at them, they could have repented. They could have seen the pain inside of him. They could have seen the detachment. They could have been there and looked over at Mary and John at the, at the uh, crucifixion and they could have repented. But they didn't. Because God can do things skillfully and he can do things speedily. When you watch a potter to see the clay as it's thrown about and formed by the potter, it looks easy. It's deceitfully easy. It's amazing to see a vessel that is gracefully shaped. It's, it's really, truly remarkable. My wife recently, uh, and I don't think she's doing it anymore, but for a while there, she was mesmerized by just watching these YouTube videos of things being formed. You know, I don't know what they're called, but they're they're crafts, yeah. And they do it very, very quickly, and, and, it, and it looks really easy. Five minutes, five minutes, they make these wonderful things. I think I saw her trying to attempt one, and it ended up looking like a unicorn. But this is what happens with God. God can literally just rise something out of a lump of clay. It's a miracle. And it's only the skill of the potter that's able to do such a thing. We don't have the ability in ourselves to do that. We can't do that. But the potter can. See, it's the key to shaping things. One of the keys is the speed of the wheel. That's controlled by the potter. And the pressure that he applies with his hands. That's the trick. They sit there. there 
to do the Father's work hand in hand with the Father. We're not there to, to act like we're the potter. We're not the potter. The churches that we come from, they're called the potter's house. Why? Because we didn't want them to be called Wayne Mitchell's house. That's why. We can all go to Wayman Mitchell, but none of us probably are invited to Wayman Mitchell's house tonight. He's probably busy. But you all can go to the potter's house. Amen. You see what I'm saying? See, it's the key that God knows the right speed. The Bible says all things really work together to the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And the only thing that limits God is unyielding clay. Unyielding clay limits the potter. That's what this verse is about. That's the legacy of this verse and of Jeremiah. That there were, there were those who would, uh, would not yield. See, unyielding clay is more difficult to work with. It requires longer working times. That's why I don't, I don't encourage you to not listen and follow the ways of God. You'll never see me say, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Why? Because all you're doing is making God have more work to do. It's taking him longer now. He has to apply greater pressure. You know, I can barely keep my AC running. I don't need God to have to apply so much pressure to people. And I don't like to see it either. God doesn't like to see it. And also, here's another key. If you're thinking about clay, I talked about the different forms of clay, but it affects and determines the type of vessel. See, you might become something other than you were intended to be. You were intended to be a perfect, beautiful bottle of perfume that was going to anoint the feet of Jesus, but now, now, you're just going to be a pot that he's going to put some potatoes in. Because as he's worked with you and he's worked with you, he sees you won't yield to become that beautiful thing that he wants. You won't do it. He loves you. And he may form you into something else. That's a warning to you young people. But it's a warning to us all because the truth is that pride and rebellion, they have no place with the Lord. He points these out in his scriptures because they refer to self-will. And he's trying to prepare you for that final process. There is a final process, guys. Just like my sermons have finality eventually. So do, and so does the word of God and the potter. 
firing a vessel is the final process. It makes or breaks the vessel. I know what this is about because we did this in my school. We did this in my school. And I had a very sad experience in my school because I made an ashtray for my dad. And it was going to be the greatest ashtray. I was so excited about this ashtray. And I made the ashtray, and I was insistent. I was insistent that this ashtray was going to have a turtle with a long neck. It ended up being an ashtray without neck, without a head, which is at four feet. There's a turtle with his neck in the shell, and the neck was no longer there, because it didn't survive the firing of the vessel. When it came out, there was a neck here with a head attached to it, and a turtle over here. See, it didn't make it. See, the process that gives strength and lasting quality, that makes something actually useful, is done by God. But it's done according to our will. Just like my teacher allowed me to make a neck that wasn't able to make it through the fire, so does God allow us <coughs> to interestingly do things that are against his will. <coughs> Once again, though, this speaks to God's character. It speaks to who he is. Though he could have made all the vessels the same, he did not. Though he could have made all the fires the same, he did not. And here's the real proof. Some shatter, some crack, and some warp. <clears throat> the fires of God's trials and afflictions were not made to consume or destroy, but to temper. You know, there's a thing called greenware. It's easily marred, easily broken. It's not usable. It makes it through the fire, but it's just there to it's, it's, it's not real. It won't last. A lot of times when you buy something on Walmart, it's really greenware. It's not going to last. But when you have something that is really valuable, you know the difference. The weight of it is different. The skill of it is different. See, again, the master potter, he knows the temperature and time and necessary for each build, uh, vessel according to its particular qualities. Potter's field purchased with the price of 30 pieces of silver. The potter's field is our place of redemption. It was for the burying of strangers. 
We were strangers to God, and then we gave Him our lives. See, this is the glorious redemption of God. This is where He takes something that is little value and makes it something of value. Something that is common makes it into something beautiful. treasure in earthen vessels so that the glory and excellence may be of God. I think every head bowed and every eye closed in this place. <coughs> As we worship God in this place. <coughs> we trust us. place if you aren't right with God this morning. This is an opportunity for you to repent and believe. You give your life to Jesus. He will forgive you of all your sins. Thank you new. A new vessel. Take away what is old and passed away, and the flame of the life of Jesus Christ. <coughs> to be a substitute for your sins. If you're in this place and you're not right with God, you raise your hand. Whatever you have bowed, whatever you have closed, give your life to Jesus. Amen. Let's do something today. We all stand and praise to God. We sing together every single one of us. You're in this place and God is working on you. And you need change and you recognize that. You can come forward. These altars are a place of change. Turn the jail mic.